Gen Nation, Kenny Kim here, bringing you another Fantasy Golf Generates podcast this week for the Honda Classic, as usual. I'm here with the Canadian Pitbull, Tyler Tambaline. Tyler, what is up, my friend? <laughs> what is up, Kenny? I'm excited. Going to be talking Honda. I wish we were there, of course. This is the spot we, we have in our hearts. The first time we ever met was at the yeah. Honda, Sung JM, taking I'm it rocking, down. rocking the Honda gear right now. Yeah, I like that. I like that uh-huh, you kept uh-huh. that stuff. I remember the pro shop. I remember it was like 120 bucks. I'm fucking keeping it. That, that's part of the reason. Okay, I, remember. Right. <laughs> I remember a few places with you on that trip, but we won't talk yeah. about that today. But yeah, before we get into it, what we are might never talk about quickly. that. We might never talk about that one, right? That's right. correct. That's but, correct. Uh, yeah, before I get into it, I want to remind everyone very quickly, the show and podcast is brought to you and presented by DraftKings.com. Definitely will have a, a special promo for you guys later. It's related to basketball right now with everything going on coming back. See what happens with all the other sports, but that's a great offer. So tune in for that later. And then, of course, our friends over at FantasyNational.com. Head on over to FantasyNational.com slash FGD. Get yourself 20% off your first payment, whatever plan you want to sign up for. Kenny, another great week. Joaquin the Dream Neiman gets the job done wire to wire at a tournament the Tigers never even won to come off the green at 18, get the handshake from Tiger, the trophy, etc. What are your thoughts on this tournament? The first 50 holes by Neiman close to some of the best 50 holes ever played in golf. I mean, if you really think about it on this course, one of the most difficult courses on tour, uh, what did he, what, and and like, he was like 20 under or something like that after like 50 holes. He had as many pars as he had birdies and Eagles at like 52 holes. It was sick. Uh, Now, you know, I don't know. They, they, they were worried about the dryness because, you know, there was no rain. And so the rough was lower. And I guess maybe the hailstorm on Tuesday really softened these green, these places up for the first couple of days, I think is what happened. So it played a lot easier. I think like after the first 46, 50 holes or whatever, like 109, the best score ever combined for everyone was like 109 under par. This is a Justin Ray stat. And I think they were like double that. So it was like the, 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 the highest, uh, the lowest scoring week of all time uh, at the Honda Classic, but it's only been like, well, what seven, eight guys that finished 15 under or above. Uh, so it wasn't like I still a cakewalk, but still what he did was really impressive. Uh, the putting was unbelievable. I I love the trajectory of Neiman's drive. I think that's perfect for the open championship. Um, I don't know what his number is for the open, but like that, that, that drive on 18, there was a little bit of pressure on him, right? He was like two down or two up going on to 18, he bogeys young birdies, goes to a playoff. So it wasn't like completely over, right? And he hits this drive that's like 40 feet above the ground, just zooming. Like it was, I mean, the trajectory was so beautiful. Uh, I, that 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 T game of his, and you saw it roll like 100 yards, you know? If you can get like a baked out, you know, uh, open championship or something with a little bit of wind, I think he can win one of those. I think that's the major that I'm going to key on for Neiman when it comes through because I, that, that, that tee shot is just so pretty. What's you think of the event? Yeah, I loved it. I think you said it perfectly there. And funny enough, I just sent out a tweet before this because DraftKings has the live final coming back. And I sent the old details talking about Northern Trust and everyone's flipping out because there isn't a Northern Trust 
of course, this year, but it reminded me of that. Remember that tournament with DJ? What he went, went it by 10 strokes or whatever, and oh, the course was too easy. He's like, no, one guy played it incredible, and the rest did not. If you take away, ne- so Neiman 19, can't take away anything, but Morikawa 17, Young 17, and the rest were 14 under. I, it basically played to that, and then three guys played some incredible golf, Neiman being the one that did the most at the top. But Cameron Young, what a stud, right? It goes with the name. Someone had it today, stole the tagline, the Young Gun. Cameron Young, yeah, that's perfect. And then Morikawa doing what he does best, man, just grinding it out down the stretch, playing that A game. Missed that birdie on 18, but, man, that the, the cheers and the roars coming in on 17 hadn't even shook up for a minute there. You could see it visibly where he's like, oh, shit, I got to go get this thing done now. And so that was awesome just to see someone get back into the mix. He thought maybe it would be Hovland or JT ends up being Morikawa, but Cameron Young played incredible. Neiman's golf, though, like you mentioned, was just top-notch all the way. I know he shot that even par round on Sunday and had a little bit of struggle out of the gate, but that's to be expected. And it's hard to play that good of golf. Like you mentioned it 19 under through 54 holes to then go and close it out with like he did with even par. So I thought the event was good. It could have been, it could have been better for me. I had a great week, but uh, overall a solid week. Some of the other names up top, I mean, Mav bounced back. Scotty did his thing. Another top, you know, top seven off the win. He's feeling good right now. A bunch of guys, that we'll talk about for this week, probably, right? Matt Jones, C.T. Pan, Mito for sure will be in the conversation. And nice to see Bobby Mack. Bobby Mack back up in the mix. Rory, home, a bunch of guys. So, good again, it was nice to be back, Kenny, to an event that had a strong field, a tough course. Regardless of what the final score for the top guy ended up being, it was still great conditions, good, good tournament all around. So, I personally loved it, and I look forward to it every single year. I think the one thing that I noticed about, you know, I'm going to talk about Colin Morikawa here. I think he's still very underrated by everyone who plays. I think he was like single digit own in some GP. I could be wrong about that, but like maybe 12% on tops. And the way he plays is just so good. I mean, if you look at his starts, you know, nine, he finished second. He had a fifth in the tournament of champions, uh, you know, the world tour first, seventh at Zozo, second at the CJ cup. I mean, I don't know. I, I think I disrespect him. I, I don't play him as much as I should. And I think that's something that I need to change. I don't know what I have against him, uh, but I feel like I don't play him enough. And I think I, I'm going to have to change that uh, as it goes on, especially what was it like 10, four, 10, eight or something. He was like 10,400. And yeah. your point is correct. We actually talked about this on the season preview. Remember we said, I think this year in majors and now, Again, this wasn't a major, but the strength of field was major-esque. It was actually a stronger field than last year's Masters. And in, again, invitational, tougher course, all those factors. So I get it. We said, let's play Rom and Morikawa every single time and just let it roll. But the problem is, I think it was you that hinted at this in that same preview we did when you said, but now they know and the price goes up. So when he's at 10-4 and you have to make that decision amongst those guys, remember how hot Cantlay, JT, Rom being the best in the world, all these guys you have to factor in. And you said it too. We've talked about this in the past, but just in those events you mentioned. So gains almost seven strokes with the putter over on Fantasy national at the genesis when he loses strokes it's the tour championship for 26th the bmw for 63rd the miscut at the northern trust and then the wgc way down near the bottom so anytime he gains them second at the memorial second at the cj cup fifth at the century second at the genesis that's it not going to name any more but you get it that's what it but, always comes down to so but we know we know back. the putting is the most variable variable stat there is for sure now, when it when it comes to that does that make it so we should play him more? Because he can have those weeks. Everything else about his game is one of the best in the world. 
mm-hmm. right? Except maybe a short game. Short game, not not, but he made he looked pretty damn good last week. Uh, dropping those two on 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 the on the on Sunday. Chip and Eagle, right? yeah, yeah. I mean, so do you think that like when it comes, I is he is he on par with the Roms? Is he on par with the Justin Thomases? Do you play him like that? Where you always play that guy? Is he there he, yet? Should yeah. he be there yet? Two things. I agree. First, I think we do have to think like that for one reason only, because we already can see the ownership roughly going in. We, we have good ownership sites out there where we can get a good enough sense to say, okay, he is on their level, so we can play it that way. I guess what the public thinks, and that's where the low ownership comes from, is that not comparing their skill set at all. It's not even close. But just to give an example, Luke List, Keegan Bradley types, we're used to them saying, look, if he's on, I could get a win like I did a couple of weeks ago with Luke List. If he's off, we know it's a miscut and we move on. But the difference is there's 7,600 or 8,100, and you don't mm-hmm. feel like you're absorbing as much in your lineup. When he's 10-4 and you're deciding around the top guys, that's where the decision gets made by people out in the public, us included. But the second thing I will say to you, and before you go here, just a matter of what we brought, we brought up in the past, is with Morikawa's trajectory in coming in, I remember when he won the Open, the stat came out, and it was mind-boggling to most, myself included, was him versus Tiger in the same amount of time or same age or whatever they used as the factor that made sense is in this day and age with this much talent in the beast that Tiger created. Speaking of that, guys like Neat, look at the board, Neiman, Morikawa, Young, Hovland, JT, McNeely, Scotty, all those guys, man. Like Adam Scott's the old man up there and the rest are all super young. And that's kind of what, you know, people are talking about now. You look at Morikawa though, it was the same numbers as Tiger in the X amount of starts, a little bit different age, but that's the point in this day and age, in this talent level, he's doing that. His iron game is beyond, right? We've talked about that too. It's much better. It's like higher than Justin Thomas in second, than Justin Thomas in the 30th place or something like that, the gap. So that's what I would say about that. Let's speak about Justin Thomas, Justin Thomas or Morikawa, same price within a hundred dollars at a major. Who do you play? (laughs) Because JT's biggest problem yeah. Is of course the putter, just like Kawa. Like, where do you think where do you think the masses would go on that? Say JT's 10-6, more Kawa's 10-4 at Augusta. We just saw who, they, who, go who, they go to yeah, JT. They go to JT. They go JT, right? Yeah. They go, they go JT, right? There's more and narratives. I think, and I think that has to switch. Yeah. I think that has to switch. I think we got to give Kawa a little bit more due when it comes to EMS and play him a little bit more, at least for me. Personally, for me. Let me just stay on that for one second, because I want to ask you this back, uh, flip it a different way. I think it's a good conversation. We have the players and all the majors coming up. It reminded me today, we just saw a great tournament, but think about all the best golf we've got ahead of us here. Honda, API players, rolling out all four majors still. There's a huge season ahead, and we appreciate you guys being here, so this is awesome. But this comparison, Kenny, forget that one. JT Morikawa is hard. Easy to get the answer, but hard to pick from. What about JT or sorry, Morikawa versus Rom. Because to be honest, if you look back, first of all, Rom has not been winning at the clip we expected, has not been winning anything, tournaments or majors at the clip of Morikawa. He's getting the ownership every single time, even if we don't think it's enough. I still personally love him. I'm just saying that the question of who we should be playing based on that, and one guy has much better irons, and if the putter shows up, final point, if the putter shows up, he wins or comes in second. The other guy, Ryan Baroff, was on Andy Lack's podcast last week talking about how Rom has gained four strokes or more putting 14 times, all in strong fields. He won zero of those tournaments. 
So if the putter really shows up for Rom, he actually doesn't, he has not even won those 14 events. Shout out to our, our guy, Ryan Baroff, always here to help us out when we're not in the mix. But I thought that stat was crazy. And that goes back to your point on Morikawa. The big difference is outside of last week when Rom struggles in a little part of his game, he's still finished top 10, mm-hmm. top 15. You know, he's going to be up there. Uh, now, you know, he, so when it comes to like outrights and stuff, it probably isn't the best way to go about him. But like, he's always going to be top 10. Always going to be top 15. But but ownership uh, is going to be three or four to one that's against true. him. And when Morikawa's putter shows up, all the rest of the game usually does show up. You yeah, know it's yeah. boom or bust, but when his putter shows up, first, fourth, second, fifth, second. Yeah. It's not. It's top five. It's not even top ten. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, I hear what good you're to saying. Think about, good to take away. Yeah. 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 Uh, and congrats to Neiman. I, we're, we're getting off the subject here. Neiman played unbelievable. He deserved the W. Personally, for me, went four for four. Cash game cornerstones. Pretty good. Didn't cash in cash. <laughs> so that's how my week went. Uh, hopefully the cat, the cash controls help you guys out a little bit. It did not help me. It was my worst week by far. Nemo was on the, I don't know why I left Nemo off. I looking back, I just feel stupid about that. Um, now, you know, when it comes down to it, what was he 70 to one? And I went, re 90 to one instead that was a huge mistake i should have just i should have went neiman uh and i didn't this is like i think of the year i think there's been nine events i think it's only the third event where i didn't roster the winner so i bet like you know betting in dfs i put in 600 bucks got back 60 bad week okay bad 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 week but cash hit corner sales went four for four hopefully you guys want some money uh hopefully we can get back on track uh, this week, anything else before we move on? Yeah, just in my week real quick, uh, eight, eight spots from the Millie and you did, we just went through all that. So that's why I want to bring it up. But the difference is Rom and McNeely in my lineup would be Morikawa and Neiman one, two. And I would have won the tournament by millions of points and millions of dollars would be in my bank account. So unfortunate in that sense, but it was a good week. I got, you know, one of the entries was off a ticket a couple weeks back at Pebble Managed to put it in, got in ninth place for 20K, so solid there. Overall in the week, it was like 12K in profit. Definitely a, a solid week all around, so I'm happy with that one. And move on to the Honda. I'm excited. We, we did have a, a solid Listener League winner, though, and a big fan of the, the show. And then Gup had himself a pretty big week as well, right there in the number two spot. But yeah. I know he did a lot of damage with his money this week. He, he made more profit than me, I think, based on seeing the result with those numbers I just said on, uh, you know, and a bunch of tickets he got for the 22-22, so good on him. Yeah. Uh, Dan Kimball is the winner of our listener league this week. He is actually a Gups Corner member as well. Uh, so shout out to Dan Kimball. I think uh, his Twitter is uh, Danger from Ranger uh, or something like that. Uh, if you want to give him a follow, uh, at Dan Kimball, uh, something, at Dan Kimball42. Uh, so nice little lineup by him, a nice little one two showing from Gups Corner. I, I always love seeing that. Let's go over Dan's lineup here. I think it's him and his wife. Or his mistress or his daughter. I don't know. I can't really tell. Uh, you can never tell when it comes down to that. Um, he had Xander, uh, one of my cash game cornerstones, 21% owned, uh, almost 80 points, finished in 13th. He had Rory, who was one of my favorite plays of the week, finished in 10th, 30% of the own, 30% owned, 78.5. Adam Scott, who I played as well, uh, 111.5 points, 20% owned. Neiman, who I didn't play, and that cost me. Um, he was 16% owned, not bad. By DJ Nation, 133 points. Uh, Coke Rack uh, finished 26, 81 points, 8% owned. And then Cameron Young, really, really nice pick uh, by him. 6% owned, 114 points, finished in second. What'd you think? 
Yeah, very solid build. You know, using the approach that he did with the two 9K guys, the 8K, two sevens and a six, really good setup, right? Stayed away from the top of the board, avoided all the five-figure guys that we just sort of sorted through right here on the show, talking through some of those names and got a pretty balanced ownership. Like the top four guys in Xander, Rory, Scott, and Neiman all had 15% plus ownership. But then when you throw in Kokrak and of course, Cameron Young, even Cameron Young, 6%. I kind of like that. The D-Gen Nation was all over him. Had himself a really good week, 66, 62, 69, and then ended with a 70. But still, man, a, a solid week all around for him. So put together a nice lineup, 597.5 points. He did reach out to me as well, said he couldn't wait to hear it. I just imagine right now, Kenny, he's sitting there with his wife, showing her the, the show with us talking about him on it. And it is a picture of his mistress that you mentioned in his in his profile picture there. That would just, be awful. You, Dan, you screwed him I'm over, Kenny. <laughs> Sorry, Dan. My Sorry, Dan. bad, Dan. Hopefully we'll see you in the three men this week. But by the way, is your wife? Yes, I hopefully. waxed you in that three man this week, so you it's did, over. You did. You streak got is me broken. The streak open is the broken. Floodgates. I am going to start another streak. I can guarantee that on here because not I really if you have... uh, not if you give away the fifth man cash game pick this week because he's dust. But we'll talk yeah, about that later. Be. We'll in the talk show. about that. Hey, it's as of now, I could change it, and you know, my mind might not be right. I just started blood pressure medication today. I'm on the verge of quitting smoking uh, if you see no cigarettes by me right now uh, i'm not gonna go cold turkey i'm trying to go from like 10 a day to five a day to like three a day then i'll try to patch uh okay. is where i'm going uh because doctor's like you, you're about to die and i was like you're probably right so i gotta change some shit uh i actually got an ultrasound for my liver uh coming up on wednesday that should be fun uh, now, the thing is, there's a little, I forget what it's called. It's like a, when you took the blood test, there's something that, that that tests your liver, okay? And, like, the average score is, like, between 9 and 59. That's the normal range. I'm only 68. That's not bad for the amount of drink. I was sort of surprised uh, when I hear that because from what I've heard, if you have really bad liver problems, it could be 10 times the normal. Uh, so, hey. Uh, maybe I'm not, and maybe the drinking, I'll probably keep drinking. Uh, maybe just once a day instead of twice, or once a week instead of twice a week. We'll see how it goes, and we'll really see how far I can take this because, you know, I don't really want to die, you know, so, but I don't want to like not have fun. So you got to find sort of that middle when it comes down to it. We'll see if I can do it. Uh, I really want a cigarette right now, like horribly bad. <laughs> like I, I want to smoke. I think I'm going to have to get one. But we'll, right, anyways, let's move on to this week. Uh, this week, of course, is the Honda Classic from PGA National in Palm Beach. Shout out Cheetah, one of my favorite strip clubs down there. Uh, every, it was always a good place, always good fun down there. If you're in West Palm Beach, go check out Cheetah. Uh, Talent Kenny sent you, and they will have no idea who, I, who you are, who I am. But still, you'll have a great time. Um, so, PGA National Champions Course hosted the Honda Classic. Bear Trap, 15, uh, 16, uh, 15, 16, 17. We've seen what happened uh, here in the past. I think Adam Scott had like a quad bogey uh, here when he was up by like three on a Saturday. Sergio took the lead. Adam Scott ended up coming back and winning. But you see massive swings um, on 15, 16, and 17 throughout, uh, you know, especially on Sundays. It could happen on Sunday. So, you know, it should be a fun last few holes, uh, especially if there's a lot of carnage. Um, you, know, you know, the thing is, that's not even – that's like a very, very hard three-course stretch, three-hole stretch, well, the hardest. Like the second hardest three-hole stretch on tour is five through seven. So lots of difficult holes uh, on this course. Weather always a factor. Uh, from what I'm reading right now, 
You're looking at 20 to 30 mile per hour gusts on Thursday and Friday, and the wind sort of tapers down a little bit Saturday and Sunday. So you know what that means. It's going to be a lot of carnage before the cut. This is basically where chalk comes to die. Now, you can't, you know, relegate it. You can't quantify uh, who's which chalky guy is going to miss it. But this is a week to be wary of chalk. If you have any type of – if you think one guy and you, you're not sure about a guy and you look at his ownership, he's going to be one of the chalkiest guys, it's pretty easy to fade, I think, at that point in time. If you love a guy and he's going to be chalk, I mean, you, you love him. You got to play him, right? Uh, but if you have any doubts – this is the week to like be like, okay, I'm not going to play him uh, because this is where chalk usually comes to die, like I said. From what I've read, not much rain over the last six weeks. I think uh, Joe I know lives in the area, and he was saying it hasn't been that much rain uh, in the area so far now. It's supposed to rain tomorrow on Tuesday, um, so we'll see how that affects the course. But if it's like really fast and firm and windy, I mean, this is one of the toughest courses on Tour. All right, the champions course at PJ National, 7,150 yard par 70, two par fives, four par threes. The four par threes are some of the most difficult holes on the course, and the two par fives are the two easiest holes on the course. Now, even though the course isn't significantly long, there are still five par fours over 450 yards. I think all the par threes are over 175 yards. The course plays even longer. When you take into account the average driving distance, um, uh, the average driving distance, the average green and regulation percentage, and the average driving accuracy here, all below tour average. Okay. Uh, so, again, like you see, tough course to play. Off the tee, golfers will see average size fairways, lots of trouble if they miss water, lots of water, fairway bunkers. Uh, let's see how thick the rough is going to be. If it's going to be as dry as they said it has been, Maybe we don't – maybe you see the rough cut down just a little bit more. But we'll have to see as the week goes on about that. Like I said, water everywhere. Since 2007, like over a 1,000 balls uh, have met their doom in the water during tournament play. Uh, all the course – with all the course defenses this week, you're going to see a lot of golfers go less than driver off the tee. Um, now, on approaches, golfers will see Bermuda grass greens above average in size when it comes to actual square feet. But in reality – a lot of the greens are long from front to back, but extremely narrow in width, which makes hitting the greens very tough. Less than 60% of the greens are hit of approach shots or land on the greens at this event. Um, you're going to see a ton of approaches from 175 to 200. Also, sand play, very important. A lot of holes will have, like, water on one side, bunker on the other side. Naturally, human instinct, you're going to probably aim for the bunker, you know, and not hit it under the water. Uh, the greens elevated, contoured, surrounded by bunkers, water hazards, false fronts on almost every hole. Greens probably going to be firm. Stint meter rating around 11 and a half. A couple of trends. This is from the Fantasy Grind, at the Fantasy Grind on Twitter. Jeff Ulrich, always a good uh, person to look on to follow on Twitter. Some trends. <coughs> Eight of the past 11 winners have finished 13th or better at PGA National in a previous year. 10 of the last 11 winners had made the cut at PGA National at least once. Four of the last five winners have produced a top 10 finish or better on the West Coast already that season. Five of the last 500 winners have produced a tie of 16th or better on the West Coast in the year of their win. So some stuff from Mr. Ulrich right there. Tambo, what are you looking for this week? Did you break it down to find out who fits that? 
I know, I, I know. Yeah, I see know. that. You know what I love? I love Jeff. I let you all do that. You all can. I know. Do that. I, I want to see. I wish somebody else would take it and just pull it up and say. So what that means is this. Here's your dudes. Uh, but uh, a lot I of think, good you guys know. I think I think you know who does that. A uh, PJ Tout. I think that's his name on Twitter. He's another good follow on there. Uh, let me and, get. Yeah, his... he, he's really good follow. John. Yeah. And then John. Um, yeah. PGA splits one on one is another guy. At PGA Tout, John Hasselbauer. Live his article, really, really good. It comes out. I think it comes out on Sundays right after the event. It goes over all the little trends and then like does with the old what Josh Culp did when he didn't was up behind a paywall. Uh, I remember Josh Culp, uh, future fans used to write those articles where he'd take everything down and 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 you know go this happened to the winner and he, he'd label all the golfers that, you know, that on, on, on the, in, in the field that that applies to. And then does another one, does another one and shortens and shortens and shortens. John does something like that. And I think uh, Josh does too, but you got to pay. Yeah. Shadow Josh call. Please hook Kenny up with a free membership. He sounded really distressed there when he said, but behind a paywall though, like, Hey, you know, I'm behind a paywall too. So I can't hate. We we, got to make that money. We got to make that money. Sorry, buddy. (laughs) Win some motherfucking money. That's right. So yeah. I mean, you mentioned a few of the things we know what this course is. That's the good news. One thing I'll just try and add a couple things. You said a lot of good things there, but like obviously the around the green, the scrambling, is a big one. Uh, the approach shot in, in before that always, but just in general, for me, it comes down to a few things. One, not a place to get right. Not at all. It's an extremely tough course. You mentioned, I'll bring it up later around some of the, you know, just an inverse on the, all the talk about the bear trap and Palmer and Knox and, you know, Knox is the best and Palmer's the worst. And I'll talk about that later when we get down to that range, but just, you know, like you said, the five to seven holes are tough. The entire course is tough. And that's why we see these high scores and then also with that said, just in general, like, you know, it's not in mentioning that it's not a place to get right, especially with the studs up top. I've noticed this over the last few years. You don't really want anybody coming in who's trying to figure it out or who's struggled in the last couple events. Go with whoever's playing the best golf. And I think that's an interesting conversation when we do get into it. I'll bring it up in a second with Neiman. But before we get into the top tiers, Kenny, want to remind everyone of a very, very special offer from DraftKings.com. Hoops fans, the latest offer from DraftKings Sportsbook is too good to pass up. I'm talking between the legs 360 windmill good. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. It's that simple. DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also bet on the NBA with same game parlays. Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code FGD. Bet just $1 on any pro basketball team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code FGD at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gaming resources. Void where prohibited, minimum $5 deposit. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Tennessee, call or text the TN red line. That's 1-800-889-9789. In Connecticut, call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. In New York, call 877-8-HOPENY or text HOPENY or 467-369. All right, so let's get to these tiers. We have Kepka all the way to Sanjay. What are you doing here? 
I, 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 don't, I have no idea. It is tough. I do have a few thoughts on, I mentioned one before. I just, you know, get your thought on this first, Kenny, before we roll through it completely. Cause I mentioned it before we had our sponsors ad. And I just wanted to talk about Neiman for a second, because we just saw it. I just mentioned at the top of the show, Scheffler wins last week, comes into Genesis is not a place to get right either. Really. And you think about that. He, he comes in, doesn't win it or anything. T seven, but that carried over. And I, it wasn't that heavily owned, right. Being off the win from the week before. And we oftentimes see the winner from the week before that goes to a high price. So whether it's a, you know, a JT or a DJ back in the day, Rom, those guys, you don't see people go there as often. So what do you think people will do with Neiman at 10, six? That's my first question. I mean, I think him and Kepka might be the two lowest own. I mean, I don't know. I think people are going to go to Usti and M. I think they're going to play those top two guys. And, you know, it makes sense. M has been playing pretty decent. He's been doing okay. Uh, you know, if you look at his, the way he's been playing here recently, I mean, it doesn't feel like he's been doing well, but 33rd, 6th, 11th, miscut, 8th. And then you go back to the fall, 19th, 9th, 1st, 21st. You know, I mean, he's been playing okay. You know, not bad. And, and, you know, he's been a little bit, his iron game's been okay. He's been really good off the tee. Um, well, I guess more accuracy, maybe he's gained a little bit of distance. I'm not 100% sure. I'll have to look into that a little bit more. And his putter's been strong the last couple of weeks. Usti is, you know, the number one guy in my model. He'll probably be the number one guy in most people's models uh, this week. So I think people are going to go to them. And I have no problem with either one of those guys. I, I think Neiman, I think Neiman, I don't know. What about Berger, too? I mean, these three guys, there's so many. I think Neiman might actually, Neiman might actually, what happened, what happened to Scheffler last week? Neiman might be more owned than you think, even coming off a win. Uh, I think it's possible that that happens because of the way he played uh, last week. And again, not his first win. He's been there, done that before. Uh, so he, he could be a little bit more highly owned than we'd expect from someone who had just won an event. Yeah, I could see it for sure. I think for me, this is my thoughts up top right now. I'm not going to stray away from him. No matter how owned he is here, it's what, 20, 22%. Like, I don't care. I'll have enough. I'll make sure I get him in my lineups. When he, When I do all my stuff, whether it's, Last six months, last 50 rounds, you know, course history, recent form, everything that you talked about, he's got it all. So I'm not going to stray away from that. And and the other thing was I liked that he took the break at Waste Management, came back last week, dusted the rust off a little bit, still had a decent finish, 33rd place, and then comes out to a tournament that he's very familiar with and has won and come eighth last year. So uh, made all three cuts here in his time on tour. I think just going back to him makes it makes too much sense. I do have a, more of a struggle with Louie. And I'm a Louie guy and, and the strength of field is down. It's it's better than some of the fall events and previous events, but it's nothing like last week. And so you think of it from that perspective, he's 10-8. Like he doesn't have to go out and win if the rest of the top range does horrible. He can just show up and do his Louie thing. But I think that's where people are betting him and all this. He just he's literally never won stateside. So I don't know why this would be the, the spot he snaps out of it. And then if he gets you a top five, what if M wins or what if Neiman's up there and a bunch of what ifs, but I feel better playing M. And Neiman, I do agree with you. That's why I asked you first, but I wanted to get your thoughts. I think Neiman will get some ownership because people are over that now. They'll say, forget it. Look how good his game was. Look at the stats last week. Came 25th here last year. Even before the win, he'd had decent results, recent form-wise. So that's fine. They can go back there. I'll go to him, too. The bigger question, though, is Berger. I'm not as high on Kepka, but Berger, man, he said he was 100%, and that's why I talk so much shit about that stuff because I said, well, now what? Now he told you he's good. What do you do? People go and play him. He's supposed to be hundred percent. He burns them because you don't know. And maybe it wasn't even his back. The whole point is maybe he just didn't play good. So you play him or you don't, the reports mean nothing. But in this case, 
if nobody's going to play him, I think you got to give him a chance at 10-4. I think I'll give him some ownership here, but M and Neiman would be my two favorites as of right now. I'm going to play M. Kepka is intriguing because I think it's possible that he could be the lowest owned of the top 10 price guys in this, in this field. Um, I, I just, I, I, because I mean, he's coming off a missed cut. You need to, I mean, he's, you know, outside the top 25 in the world. He hasn't been really playing great, but this is Brooks. Um, now, is he going to be motivated to play? Who, who knows? You never know about that stuff. I, I would expect that he'd be motivated every week because of how poorly he's been playing. And he said he was embarrassed uh, that he was, you know, outside the top 25 in the world. It's intriguing. The one guy I'm definitely playing is Sunshine. Uh, he could possibly be the only guy in the 10K range that I am playing because I like the 9K range a lot. And I'll go with two of my uh, first cash game cornerstones. Now, this event used to be the start of the European contingent. Uh, that came over and play, started playing on the PGA Tour. Uh, this is where a lot of the Euros would come in and start playing. They've had success uh, with the wind and the way that, you know, the shortness of the course. I mean, maybe the water's a little bit much, but it has aspects of some courses that you would see on the European Tour, uh, especially when it comes to weather um, and wind. Um, so, you know, I, I like the Euros a lot in this, and I'm going to start – Man, I don't know when the last time I ever had Tommy Fleetwood as a cash game cornerstone, but I think I'm going to start right now. The guy's been playing decent golf uh, across the pond. I know he was in contention a couple of weeks ago uh, in the Middle East, uh, if I am not mistaken. Um, yeah. And so, you know, I, I think I'm going to go with Fleetwood here. Um, you know, and like, you know, a lot, like you said, a lot of his stats, he hasn't really played over here that long. Uh, so you can't, any, you know, you can't really judge base everything on his stats, but you look, you know, eighth, 12, 48th in his last uh, three events, one of them being uh, a couple of them being uh, on this side of the pond. Uh, and then he has a third and a fourth here in the past in his two previous attempts. I mean, we were there when we saw him with Sung Jay. Um, you know, he was in the group behind him and he just fell apart on Sunday uh, when Sung Jay ended up winning this event. But I'm going to go with Fleetwood here and I'm going to go with Shane Lowry as well, who's coming off, you know, three or four straight top 25s. Uh, and he has uh, good, never missed a cut here. Uh, and again, you know, when it comes to that win, the lower ball flight, I think Lowry could do well here. I also like Horsel and Norin a lot for GPPs. So that's why, you know, I could go, I could stray away from the 10K range. Horsel has just been playing well, uh, you know, and, and it's not that strong of a field. I mean, and, and I think he can do perform and do well in this type of an event. Uh, a couple of things really good at bogey avoidance, good out of the sand, been hitting a lot of fairways. Uh, really good from 450 to 500 yards. I think he's top 10 in the field uh, in par four efficiency from 450 to 500 in the last, I'd say, 50 rounds. Uh, I like Norn. Uh, he comes in uh, seventh in my model uh, this week. Really good from 175 to 200. Um, you know, a lot of sand saves, good from the sand, good bogey avoidance, good on longer par fours. We've seen him compete here and contend. Uh, I think the year J.B. Holmes uh, took it from him uh, a few years back. One guy I'm worried about that some people might be on would probably be Matthew Wolf. Every time I see Matthew Wolf on a course, where the driver is taken out of your hand, I tend to worry about that just because, you know, it is his strength. It is his numero uno skill that he has out there, how hard, how far he hits it. And that gives him that advantage. I think he loses that advantage just a little bit uh, when it comes to this course. Keith Mitchell is going to be a favorite, really expensive. Are people going to play him? I don't know. I know Bamford, Steve Bamford has him as a bet. Uh, for this weekend, likes him a lot. So that leads me towards uh, playing him this week, but he also has Matthew Wolf <laughs> as a bet too. So 
we'll see how that goes. Uh, what do you think for this week for, in the nine carries? Yeah, dialing back a couple more thoughts. One is, like I said at the top, when we were going through what I like for this course, like don't don't play guys that need to get right. Back aside, whether it's his back or not, just going back to the top for a second with Berger, probably not a good spot to get right. So that leaves Sungjae and Neiman. And I could go off Neiman coming off the win at 10-6 if he does get popular. So people are going to go back to that. I could be aligned with you there and say just him. And the reason I bring it up is because like you, I think this range is pretty interesting. So guys coming in like Fleetwood, and Lowry, their form is from overseas or previous, like nothing that you would have seen lately, but these guys are playing well. Noren is playing well and has the perfect game for this course, sort of the grind it out around the green, do his thing, make par and move on and then make a charge on Sunday and take it away. And then you can't spell Honda without Ho. So we got to go back. Remember the Ho train, Kenny? We got Horschel. Uh, we got Horschel, Hostler, Howell. And now we got the new bunch with Hoygaard. And with uh, Lee Hodges. So a couple other hoes in the field. You can build the ho-, ho train out again. But Billy Ho has a pretty decent history here. Has been playing well, pretty good. I think his numbers line up. So, you know, this is what he likes. Florida golf, Bermuda. That's his thing. So get back out of the, you know, the waste management stuff where he's telling fans to go F themselves and everything he does there and hop back into an event that he likes. So I think he's good. But the two at the bottom are the most intriguing. And why I can just agree with you at the top and avoid altogether besides Sungjae is because Keith Mitchell, See what happens with ownership. I kind of like his price. The one guy I like that's priced definitely too high. If he was, you know, anywhere in that 8K range could be a little bit more popular. But Matt Jones, literally last year's champion, looked really good on Saturday and then put it together and had an even better Sunday at the Genesis. He hits on everything like course history, recent form last week, just coming in the right way and then has the game and is the defending champion. So at 9K, I don't think he'll be very popular. We'll talk about the next range in a second, but we got Mito potentially Mito chalk week. And then we got Mitchell who, like you said, is right there, regardless of price, he really hits on all the models and the stats and the numbers. So I think Matt Jones will get squeezed out whether he won last year or not. I don't think people will go back to him here as much. And if you avoided some of this upper range with Lowry, Norrin, Horschel, Fleetwood, you could get a pretty unique lineup going with Sung Jay, Matt Jones, the two most recent winners, and then just go down from there and, and stack it up because there is less guys in the 6k this range this week overall as it is than what we've seen lately and then also i think less that you'll want to play so sung jay matt jones to start a lineup would be pretty interesting what do you think of the rest and anything else there that you like yeah i mean I, i'm probably gonna I, I, your matt jones take makes a lot of sense to me so i think i might move on maybe play a little bit of uh jones when it comes down to it in the 8k range i do have my third cash game cornerstone this week it's going to be um jonathan vegas i think he's made seven of his eight cuts here uh, four of his last five on tour, uh, top five in both strokes gain approach and strokes gain tee to green in this field in the last 50 rounds. That sort of makes sense to me. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and use Vegas. I like the bottom half of this range a lot. Uh, Gary Woodland, a couple weeks ago, he played pretty well. Uh, again, a guy who I just think is going to break out at some point in time. Uh, it's going to happen. The skill level of this guy is just too good. Former U.S. Open champion. I mean, I think it's just going to—it's—it's it's, it's going to happen. He looks healthy. He's playing every week. You're not—we're hearing about withdrawals. Just get—just get a little bit more playing time, a little bit more underneath him, and, and this type of field, I think he can do well. Uh, Bazinenhut is well, again. I—I—I I, I roster him every week, and I think there's sometimes where I make a mistake and roster him on courses where I should. Now, this course, I don't, I think, is a course where he should. Now, if you look at Bazin Hoot's um, uh, 
finishes in, in this season as he's had been a full member on tour. Let me bring it up here. Uh, and you look at the, the specific type of courses that he's done well on. Um, you, you look. So he missed the kind of the Genesis long course, driver heavy course. He's probably the one of the worst off the tee uh, in this field. So, you know, Pebble Beach finished 14th, shorter course, less than driver. Farmers Insurance, 46, long course, lots of driver. American Express, um, you know, sort of in between. You don't, you know, he finished 40th there, but then Sony, not too much driver. Uh, you know, less than driver course, 17th. Uh, he played in Houston. There's a lot of driver in Houston. Finished 98th. Uh, Mayakoba, less than driver course, finished 15th. You know what I'm saying? So I think this is a less than driver course. I think that's what you play. Uh, Bazina, who at you add in his elite short game um, out there. Uh, I think, you know, really good from the bunkers. I, I like him a lot this week. And then Mac Hughes. You got to play Mac Hughes at this course. Any difficult type course, you play the Canadian. Okay, couple couple interesting thoughts then coming up here because I agree with you fully on Bazudenhout, and I also and you didn't bring him up, but Knox is the guy that gets talked up. I was going to bring this point up first. Everyone talks about the bear trap. The numbers are posted since two thousand seven. Russell Knox is the best at six under on the bear trap. The worst is in the next range at seventy nine hundred, but we'll talk about it because he's right there. Is Ryan Palmer? He's plus sixty on the bear trap in that same period of time. But let me tell you this. Last five years, Russell Knox, four out of five missed cuts with a best of 51st. Ryan Palmer, four out of five made cuts with some actual pretty decent results in there. I think it was a 17th and a fourth, and you said it at the top, Kenny. It's because that's the whole three holes everyone talks about. We know how tough they are down the stretch. We know about the pressure they pack when you're coming home trying to win a tournament. But these guys down in this price range don't necessarily have to win it for you at that price tag. And on top of it, the rest of the course is very hard as well. So I love the Bazudenhout pivot off of Russell Knox. We always don't talk about this stuff 100%, but I just thinking out loud, if Knox gets ownership here or it's somebody else, maybe it's Taylor Moore, who we'll talk about in a second at 7,900. I do like that. I wanted to bring that up. And then the other thing I wanted to bring up, I thought this one stood out to me today. We always say Mac Hughes. We were we, we tell the story. We were there last year with Feinberg, Mayo, everyone with Mac Hughes and his mom on 18. But we keep talking about him at these harder courses. He's missed two out of his last five cuts. They were Farmers and Genesis. The cuts he made and finished well were all birdie fests, like 20 under, 23 under, 19 under at these tournaments. So I don't know what's going on. And obviously he's good enough that he can just bounce back and make that work here. And maybe the, the good memories from last time or whenever he came second here, few years ago, two years ago, that, that he'll bounce back from that. But I could go to some other guys. I like Vegas with you. Love the course history, the recent form. I like Brian Harmon as a grinder in this range. And the last guy I want to ask you about was Aaron Wise. Uh, if you look at all the numbers, they come across pretty decent. Last week, he tried to show a little bit, but man, it's quite a leap of faith after how bad he was the couple weeks before his chalk. And then last week, he found his uh, a putter, but he lost the approach game. Before that, he had the approach game with no putter. So which is it? Do you, do you like Aaron Wise at all? I'm just not a wise guy. Even though he pops in the model, I think he's eighth in my model. He'll probably be top 10 in everybody's model that comes out this week. I, I just can never get roster. Maybe at like 6,500, but I, I would still play Hughes over him. All the, all the stuff I just said, just pointing out facts on Mackenzie Hughes. Maybe like you say, coming back here, he's got a decent history with the second place two years ago. I believe he was like uh, 30, yeah, 36 last year. So I could maybe go him. I just, I don't think I can do the wise experience again. I don't care about last week. It wasn't nothing spectacular. And I really like Vegas there. And while he'll be popular, there is those other guys we mentioned. I love the Bazoot and Help call though, down at the bottom at 8K. Go ahead into the 7K range, at least the top side. Who do you like? 
Yeah, I want to talk about this. It's a smaller range from 7,500 and up than normal, but Taylor Moore, uh, this guy, I think he's going to pick up steam this week. If you look at the books, really respecting him, I think he's like 70 or 65 to one, something like that, which is, you know, whatever. And, and a couple of decent results the last two times out. So I think he'll pick up some steam. Ryan Palmer's here. Uh, Ryan Palmer, I talked about his last five to compare against Knox, but even if you look back further than that, eight of nine made cuts here. Usually he plays pretty good in the wind and when it gets swirling, it just happens to be the bear trap that eats him up, but he somehow does good on all the rest of the hole. So I think he's interesting. CT Pan will get some love. Uh, Nikolai Hoygaard, the, uh, the t- look, people will talk about Brooks and Chase this week, those brothers, but one's there because the other is there. This is a different case. These two brothers, top, top 120 in the world, Nikolai, who's we're talking about here, is actually top 75 in the world. He just picked up a win a couple of weeks ago. Field strength wasn't the same, but he also came fourth the week before that when Kawa won, and it was a much tougher field. So he's definitely coming in with some form. And even if he picks up some ownership from the shows, talking about him and stats and things like I'm mentioning, I don't think he picks up enough to where you're like, oh, I can't play that guy. So uh, he definitely has the talent and the skills. I like Poulter as well right there. And then I definitely like Chris Kirk. Uh, even Michael Thompson to round it out. So there is pivots there if you need to find them. What do you like in this upper 7K range? Yeah, my final cash game cornerstone, CT Pan. I, this is where it got really tough for me to, to find out, to go with my cash game cornerstone because there's not much I love down here uh, in the 7 or 6K range. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I'm going CT Pan ninth last week. Uh, I think he had a third-place finish last time he was here. Um, really good. Um, Tita Green is 15th in the field in the last 50 rounds. Been good around the greens. Really good on longer par fours. Fairly accurate off the tee. Uh, decent out of the sand. I'm going to go ahead and play CT Pants on my four cash game cornerstones uh, this week. They're going to be um, Tommy Fleetwood at 9,900. Shane Lowry at 9,400. Jonathan Vegas at 85. And CT Pan at 77. Still he's 14.5 left. I'm contemplating going low in the 6K and maybe even going up to Zinut as my fifth guy. We'll see how he goes. Uh, Tambo's been making fun of me because I told him I was going to Zinut and Luke Donald uh, as my final final two. Luke's been playing decent. We'll get to him here. Tambo's like, you're an idiot. It could be another take a call. I don't know. I'm not sure what I'm going to do with those last two spots yet, but those are my four cash game cornerstones. Um, Up here, uh, I think Hoygaard's interesting. Um, I like your Taylor Moore. Uh, point of view. Cagely is going to be popular. He pops in the model. A little bit worried that he's lost 10 strokes with his approaches uh, in the last two events. That's worrisome. Um, but when it comes to everything else other than approaches, he sort of fits this, fits this, and it becomes a grinder where you got to get it up and down. Uh, you know, he's he's just okay around the green, too. I'm not even sure I want to play my my Korean guy there. Um Michael Thompson makes sense. Brendan Todd, he's made three of his last four cuts. Uh, hits a, enough fairways. Good on long par fours. Uh, I like Brendan Todd. I'm going to play him, which is weird because I never played Brendan Todd. But this is where we're at uh, when it comes down to this event. If you go even lower, it gets even worse. I'm going to play uh, Lucas Glover uh, this week probably. Uh, again, iron game is strong. Hits enough fairways. A decent from 175 to 200, decent from 450 to 500 yards. Uh, so I think I'm going to play him. Uh, Sam Ryder is always intriguing to me just because, you know, he, he scores so well, uh, you know, and, and it's $7,200. And this is the type where, you know, if he goes out early, has decent conditions, uh, he can have a shit ton of birdies, but it'll also come with a shit ton of bogeys. Uh, that's just the way Sam Ryder is. 
you know, the way he plays, especially, you know, I like him on Sundays and showdown a lot. Uh, he usually tends to ball out on Sundays with a ton of birdies. Uh, so I, when it comes to like DraftKings, uh, I think he can make a decent play. If he makes the cut and gets all four rounds, I think he'll be up there in birdies because he has so many birdies. I think he's what? Fifth in birdies are better gained in the field in the last 50 rounds. If he can make the cut, if he can play all four days, uh, I think, you know, you're going to get a good DFS score uh, out of him. Anyone else? Who do you like in this bottom 7K range? I was just looking at a few other guys. So a couple that stood out to me. So um, Lucas Glover, like you mentioned, like him. Aaron Rye has been playing some pretty good golf. He's coming in decent. Uh, Garrick Higo last time out was pretty solid. So, you know, he's coming into form, I think. I think that's who we want in this spot. And then the one I was debating, that's why I asked you about him earlier, but Charles Howe fits the whole train narrative, but uh, missed the cut at the fa- at the Phoenix open before that he rattled off five pretty decent results. And he pops here a little bit for me in the stats. So interesting talent level, but tough to say when there is other guys, I like Swafford down below pretty spotty course history in recent form, but uh, he did have a win recently. So you can't really say he's not in form. It's just, it's a really loaded range. So it's tough to say where else to go. And then I like your rider call and even Nick Taylor down there at the bottom as well. Maybe some Alex Smalley, Adam Svensson, Danny Willett at the seven K range, even not, not too much else for me there. And I don't love a bunch in the six K range, but you can talk about any others in the seven K. And if not, we can, we can hop down there. Yeah. Six K range. The guy that really pops for me is Mark Hubbard. Uh, you know, really good at avoiding bogeys. Uh, good from 175 to 200, especially on par threes. You're going to have all the par threes above 175 yards. Really good from the bunker. Really good around the green. Pretty good with his approaches. I think uh, from for $6,900, not a bad play, uh, I think, when it comes down to it. And just trying to make lineups while we're doing this. I mean, if I go Hubbard, I might be able to afford Howell as well. And that might actually be a decent way to go. I don't know. We'll have to see uh, again this week that those last two spots are going to change uh, a bunch of me. But yeah, a Hubbard, probably my favorite play down here. Uh, I'm going to talk about Ryan Armour, another guy. I think Tambo talked to me about him earlier. Uh, not technically a coastal course, but it's only like five miles from the ocean. So basically it's a coastal course, uh, not too long. This is his thing. Uh, enough fairways, enough bogey avoidance, uh, you know, Good from longer par fours. I'll play Ryan Armour. And honestly, I think Luke Donald's been playing decent golf, making two of his last four cuts, uh, gaining strokes uh, with his approaches in four straight. Former winner here. Um, you know, I think I can get by with him. Top 10 in strokes gain approach in the last 15 rounds in this field. Good from 175 to 200. Really good from the bunker. Uh, and I, I mean, that's how we're going. I'm thinking about playing freaking Luke Donald in this event. So that, that's, that'll tell you something right there. Right off the rails with that one. But you know what? Like I look at it too in, in fantasy national, I looked at it before I came on and still said that to you pre-show, but like it's decent, but it's just, what are you, what are you expecting? Right. Anything could happen, but I think uh, even, what about your guy, Harry Higgs? He's 6,700. He's hauling everything out. He's playing some pretty good golf lately, man. That's a guy right Making there. Cuts Ryan on a Arnold. number with Eagle and shit like that. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, J- yeah. J- JT Poston. Yeah. And then, you know, I don't love much down there. I'm with you on the Hubbard call 46th and 11th here the last two years. Uh, some won't follow this. We didn't talk about this off the top. Remember the week when Werner won overseas? We wanted to talk about that. We didn't talk about Benny. Benny on getting the W over on the Corn Ferry Tour, man, doing yeah, his thing. That was big. Very happy to see that. The guy's incredible. Just awesome to see him and his wife embrace after the fact. And he just, he's not, he's such a happy guy, but it was like he wasn't like going crazy or any super celebration. It's almost, what you love to see in a guy like that, where he knows he's supposed to be there getting this done. It just didn't work yet on the PGA tour. He's had his chance. 
I thought it was sort of baller when he did the interview with his wife in the car and then zoomed out. You see, he's rocking the Lambo. Uh, you know, I, I, I thought that was pretty swagalicious right there. I, I like that. I like that. I like that. I like Benny. Uh, I like Benny. Yeah. Interestingly enough, though, Mark Hubbard, sixth at that tournament. So he was back there doing his thing, and he's still coming in otherwise. Pretty good form, pretty good numbers. Putts better on Bermuda. Uh, has the upside if he makes the cut. It's, you know, 6,900. It's not like you're going too far off the beaten path from 7K range if you're just dropping down 100 bucks. So I like him. Neesmith. 36th and 38th here the last two years, only time he's played it. 55th at the Genesis, but solid stats all week and really solid stats closing it out. And then the sort of three off-the-board plays for me. I mentioned Poston maybe, so two off-the-board plays. But Kramer Hickok and Austin Smotherman. Played Austin Smotherman last time out, came through for me. So I'll, I'll go back to a couple guys there. Not too much else in this range that I like, Kenny. You want any Chase Kepka? He's down there. 30th last year when he played here. So all the shit being talked about him playing because of his brother. He got 30th here last year, beat a lot of guys that uh, were, were decent years before him. Well, so. didn't, didn't, didn't Brooks miss the cut? So he beat his brother? I'm not sure. I don't remember. I what think Brooks that was a different after. tournament because I don't think oh, Brooks okay, played okay, here last okay. year, but it was at a different tournament where he ended up being the better Kepka. Yes, that is correct. No. All right, so let's get the bets for this week. I mean, basically, I hate every single one of my bets. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, this is going to be fun. <laughs> uh, right, right now, I have Alex Norton, 35 to 1. Bazita who? 50 to 1. Uh Woodland uh 65 to 1. Pan 70 to 1. A rider 140 to 1. Uh so I I might throw a couple more bombs out there. We'll see how it goes on my final betting card, but uh that's what I got. I like your rider number. I I looked at him. I didn't bet him, but I saw it was 125 today. So that's nice. You got 140. Uh some of my numbers are gone, but you know me, I don't put as much into this as I do into daily fantasy. So I like going with the community a little bit more. I like to hit when everybody else does. So Billy Horschel, 28 to one Mito 55. I think others got him at 60, but a lot of people are on. I'm going to take that route and maybe not even play him in DFS. Like I said, I think there's some good pivots right there in that range. CT pan 80 Poulter 90 Aaron Rye 110. And then my guy, Austin Smotherman 200 taking a long shot. Maybe, maybe he's this year's haggy who I believe came second last year. You get a, get that out of Smotherman. Young has been doing his thing lately. Cameron Young, maybe Smotherman does his job here. And at 200 to one with the top five each way, I'll definitely take a shot. All my guys over 50, including Mito, are with the top five each way. Yeah, I like Rye, 101. I'm down. I'm with you. I just added that myself. All right, so one and done. Um, I'm going Sanjay or Fleetwood. Two of the guys I had here, I said you could add Louie. If you don't want to play him at the 10-8 price tag on DraftKings may, or bet him at the number, maybe get a little sweat out of him that way. And then Horschel, of course, I just, I, I got a feeling it's going to be a good Horschel week. We'll see what happens. Like I said, you can't spell Honda without Ho. So I like Billy Ho this week. And we're always keen to hop aboard the Ho train. You talked about Cheetah earlier on. No sponsor this week from them, but maybe in the future, right? Yeah, I, I, I don't need to be a sponsor. Just let me in and, and you know, let me sit at the VIP every time I walked in, which they let me do uh, when I went that one year, uh, which is always great. One thing before we head off, make sure to bet for the Custy Awards. Uh, I did a show with um, a couple of guys and Pat going over all of the Custy Awards. It is pretty funny. Uh, you can see me. I listen to it on, on the podcast and you can you can audibly hear me going from sober to hammered throughout the whole podcast. So it's a fun listen. Uh, go check that out. You can find me on Twitter at uh, Kendo VT. Find my article on gupscorner.com. Should be out here sh- 
shortly. Uh, use promo code Kenny. Save yourself, I think, 20 or 30% on a membership. I forget which one it was. I think maybe it's 30% uh, on a sub. Uh, Seven-day risk-free trial. If you don't like it, you can just cancel and move on. But you don't like it. Lots of cool stuff. Lots of great tools. Check out GubsCorner.com. Yeah, huge week for Gubs Corn. Shout out again to Gup. You mentioned had a big week. We had a pretty big week over at Run Pure Sports as well. So I got to put put my stuff out there. Hoop took down the 888 for 100K himself. I got the 20K ninth in the Mega Millie 4444. And then Big T took third in the round four showdown. So amongst many others, it was a good week for everyone providing the information. So if you haven't checked out Run Pure yeah. Sports, go ahead. You know what comes to Big T? I, I, I can't, whenever I picture him, I just see Kenny Powers. Like yeah. I, I can't, I can't, I, I don't, I don't even want to know what he really looks like because I feel like it'll be disappointing. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> He's out like, there, but, but he, uh, he does a good job with the hashtag on brand, much like you do. I'm not sure if you saw it today. There was some DFS open pictures floating around. And I said, I need the video of Kenny going crazy for Sungjae. And I said, I don't have the video I tweeted out, but I do have the picture. And sure enough, in the bottom right corner of you going crazy, is the crown royal bottle as to be expected. So love to see that. But like I was saying, rumpiersports.com, check us out. We got a promo code DGEN50, D-E-G-E-N-5-0. Get yourself 50% off your first month. Check out everything we got going on over there. I do the Wednesday premium show and we do a round four showdown show as well, which is pretty exciting going forward. So that's good. Find me on Twitter at Totag and Tambo. Of course, other than that, that's all I got this week. Kenny, good luck to everybody. All right, not, not the best field, but, you know, these are the type of events where, you know, you find those diamonds in the rough and try to win that motherfucking money, D-Gen Nation. That was pretty weak, but that's how I'm going to end it this week. I had to quit smoking, so that's just what you're going to deal with. <laughs> I've been getting dirty money, Jordan Belfort. Stacking penny stocks while I'm flipping these birds. Sipping on Ciroc, trip them up with the words. I done popped the molly and I think it's be my third. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.